you know. Dude, saying your editing's ass, Evan. Oh, uh, you sound like the voice in my head. Um, <laughs> ass. Does the voice in your head just go ass, 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 actually, ass, actually, ass, yeah, ass? Kind, kind of. Yeah, set. that is. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to a special episode of Contesting Wrestling because this particular episode is a personal hell that I've built out of bricks made of my own failures. Uh, we recorded our episode about John Cena. I didn't. Um, some, well, it's, uh, that, this is ultimately better because now, like, Betsy gets to be here. But, like, yeah, we recorded an episode about John Cena, like, some amount of time ago. Uh, I don't, time has stopped meaning anything to me on a personal level since we started this podcast. And I just threw an amazing series of decisions, accidentally completely deleted it from existence, so we we wanted to make sure he just couldn't see the file, but as it turns out, all that was was a dumb joke, and he actually deleted it. Um, and yeah, just if you were getting ready to tweet that joke at us, don't, because yes. a lot of people already did. Unless you and have yeah. a lot of followers, in yes. which case, put us in your mentions <laughs> at all. Uh, so at contesting W on Twitter at, over and at, over again at make good old br. Yes. Make the joke every day if you want. So I got to watch these matches again and we get to delve into the remarkable world of John Cena a guy who I understand at the time there was maybe some sort of a meta commentary on like white suburbanites appropriating black culture but in 2020 it just reads like racism to me all right. Uh, well, my name is Doc Diamond Fire. Uh, I've been in pro wrestling for about uh, you know eleven years or so. I really need to get a start date because I'm a little fuzzy on it by now. Um, well, you know all those concussions. Uh, you know I've been lucky enough not to have any concussions that I know of. I've never been fuzzy. I've never really seen like flashes or stars. Also, whenever I've wrestled, I've tried to wrestle a very safe style, uh, which you know only took both your knees. Yeah, but I can think well. Anyway, uh, these days I do more commentary and ring announcing, although I am available for wrestling and uh, whatever thinking you need. Thinking is pretty good for those things. I really do like thinking, um, and, I, and I like uh, talking using my thoughts, which is why I'm on a podcast. I like counting. All right, and... Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, hi, it's Betsy Ross. You can follow me on Twitter at goodoldbr. You can follow me on Twitch at overhearcounting. That's um, counting. I am also available for ref bookings. Um, I'm Dr. Ben Abelson. I... Think for a living at Mercy College and think at my students. He doesn't do it well, but I mean, he managed to get a living off of it. Hey, that a... that is the real definition of rhetoric: is that you are rhetorically thinking at people uh, uninterested in their contributions. Yes. Well, you know, you you did you did only get that professorship a couple years ago, so it's like a, it's like if you're an RPG player, it's like going through a class change. You know, you get to keep a bunch of the skills you used to have, but all of a sudden you're level one again. Yes. Amongst your peers. Well, actually, the full-time job I ended up getting was, you know... Well, actually, I, I shouldn't say you, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's like when you're in Final Fantasy IV and Rydia grows up and she lo gets all those cool summons, but uh, yeah. she loses like her white magic skills. Yeah, she she just can't use them anymore. It's not part of the class. So so Ben can't heal his wounds anymore. He just bleeds forever and ever. And that's what getting older is like. I mean, I do think that... Uh, Teaching and doing my own philosophical research are at cross purposes to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, figuring out how to make the ideas digestible to students who are new to the topics and then trying to dig really deep into them and, and come up with uh, more complex 
responses to philosophical ideas and so forth that would be interesting to my colleagues are, are very different kinds of skills. Yes, this is true. I don't know what he said, but he's single, ladies. Speaking <laughs> of, hey, Ben's a real catch. I'm going to say that true. on this podcast right no, now. No, no, he is. I'm giving him shit, I but know, he I is know, single, ladies. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, being good at things that are arguably at a cross purpose, this is a real fucking stretch. <laughs> but, I, all right, John Cena. I'm going to take th- – this is my stab in the dark mm-hmm. as to why fans don't like John Cena. I'm going to guess that it is – that I have the same basic problem with him that fans do, which is that John Cena, the whole idea of his character is to have it both ways because John Cena it presents as the underdog, presents as the beleaguered – you know, guy who everybody's out to get him and he's just, like, fighting and working hard to do his thing. And also, it seems to be presumed that John Cena will win every single match. He kind of he nailed it. Cena wins, LOL. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the thing is, is that makes him an incredibly polarizing character because some people buy into it completely and are totally cool with, a, with someone like that, with a, a Superman kind of character like that. Yeah, kids mostly, love him. Yeah, children love him. And the other half of the fan base, mostly older people, longer time wrestling fans, hate him. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, he kind of paved the way for for Trump in that, you know, <laughs> yes. whether you love him or hate him, on, co- you're paying attention to him and that serves his purposes. Oh, I don't pay yeah. attention to Trump. I mean, I pay attention to like the important thing he does, but I don't get caught up in his stupid tweets because yeah. it's besides the point. Like like his, his stupid tweets like Kofifi or whatever it was like, lol, wait. Yeah, that's a complete dis- or like when he bought all that McDonald's, though, complete distraction. Regardless. Regardless you, have, regardless, you have strong feelings about him. Yeah. And as long as you have those strong feelings, you're kind of doing what he wants. I, I mean, we, I wouldn't put that on Cena. That's just kind of wrestling in general. That all <laughs> like you get you get a reaction one way or another and you succeed. Well, that's it seems like really what happened is that the entire world is now professional wrestling. Yes. Whereas up until like the <laughs> mid 2000s, it was only professional wrestling was wrestling. Also, and into the 2000s, you had a much more present vocal crowd uh, that, you know, played a, a much more direct, uh, palpable role in the matches. So you started getting these dueling chants. Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. That you hadn't really heard as clearly before for earlier wrestlers, even when there was that split in the audience. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, when people there's been a lot of ink spilled over uh, the things that, you know, Trump has learned from professional wrestling. But I think the main thing is the the weaponization of heat. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a politician because the concept of heat in wrestling seems like it would be anathema to a politician, right? Because every yeah. politician who's ever lived, the goal is to get people to like you, to get people to believe you, whether you're doing that because you genuinely believe in your vision for the future or because you're a narcissistic sociopath, or most of the time it's just some combination of the two. Like, it's always been about posit- like something positive. And I, he's really the first politician I can think of. Well, I, there's an argument to be made that Pat Buchanan uh, sort of... Um, uh, paved this road. Andrew yeah. Jackson. Um, and then, well, but that, wow. that's the thing. Nobody, the only, oh, the only people that hated Andrew Jackson were the people that the rest of the populace hated. Like, you know, in terms, in terms of people who were voting for Andrew Jackson. The other the thing is I we guess. have, we have the internet and specifically social media now where everyone's hate 
can be broadcast at all times to everyone else. And also, and not only broadcast, to, but also, like, how many times have I seen on Twitter people retweeting uh, other guys? They're like, oh, I can't believe, like, this guy said something so fucking stupid. Let me retweet him right. to all of my followers so they can also hear this thing that the guy's saying and he can get views. And it's so, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, like, the, you know, the concept the of hate listening, uh, which to me seems like an exhausting thing that who has time for. But I, you know, if I was 19 in 2020, like God knows what I would be doing with my time and what I would be doing on social media. Holy shit. Yeah, CNN broadcast these uninterrupted Trump rallies during the 2016 um, electoral season. And with, I guess, under the idea of, oh, look at this asshole, look at this horrible shit he's doing. But in doing so, they made him visible to millions of people who ended up voting for him. Well, they kept broadcasting it because it got good ratings. Yeah. And, and they <laughs> keep hating on him uh, as as vociferously right. as possible uh, because it gets good ratings. And it's, and it's like this manufactured rivalry yeah. <laughs> to get people's attention and serve everyone involved in the rivalry's interests which is the basis of pro wrestling. So, yeah, Andy Kaufman um, understood what heat was, sure. and he tried to do that for most of his comedy career um, with mixed results. You know, he, uh, in later in his career, one of the times he appeared on Saturday Night Live, well after he had been an established antagonist, he wanted them to do a poll like... Uh, say like we're gonna ban Andy Kaufman unless people vote to have him stay, and he thought people would vote to have him stay, and they didn't. They voted to keep him banned from Saturday Night Live because all he would do was come out and antagonize people, and it's a great act, but you know you don't. People generally won't vote for the villain. Um, well, and this this yeah. gets back to Cena in a right. way that I you know to me one of the most interesting things so far, learning about wrestling has been trying to perceive where what is the logical extent of heat like at what point will heat turn from people passionately consuming a wrestler and watching them because they hate them to just like I don't to just not fucking caring we, anymore we we got to do an episode we got to find some matches about like bad heat compared to good heat to show like Evan. X-Pac. Yeah, I was going to yes. somebody once described this to me as X-Pac heat. So th there was a while there in uh you know the early 2000s where you know the wrestler X-Pac would come out and people would boo him but not like it was very clear that as opposed to other wrestlers that were booed because they were good villains, people were just tired they of were seeing just X disappointed X-Pac show showed up. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want him there. They didn't like him, you know. People came back the, around to him eventually. There's also a dis slightly different type of heat called the Rob Conway pop. That's not heat. That's like when it, what Sylvan did in the Royal Rumble that we talked about where it was like Strangely was enough, a, one of Conway's tag team partners. Yeah. There all of Law Resistance was uh uh another time. Uh but like it's what that feeling when like they don't like or hate you you literally vacuum the sound out of the audience like You might as well not have come out. I mean there's also I think it matters a lot that there is a good foil for the heat that there that you have a strong baby face that the people are going to get into or at least someone interesting on the other side. So I think it helped Cena that he regularly had opponents who whether they were programmed as the heel or the face or whatever, the crowd was invested in them. Edge Edge yeah. was one, Rob Van Dam, Punk, uh, CM Punk, so that the crowd had someone to cheer for one way or the other. 
Uh, whereas I think one of the big problems with a guy like Roman Reigns is that most of his opponents weren't any more interesting than he was, or at least the crowd didn't have a reason to get behind them. And even more recently, Baron Corbin, I think, is a great heel in getting getting people to dislike him. The problem is he has no baby faces who you want to see beat him up. So let me let me try and explain the Cena heat properly um, in in a, in a lodge because I've thought about this a lot, especially since we are re-recording this episode. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not so, me. Yeah. I'm so should sorry, I, guys. Should I mention what the matches are since we haven't done that yet? Well, or? once once because okay. this is a good topic. Once I'm done with the Cena heat, then we'll get right into the matches. But um, so Cena comes out in almost all of his appearances, and he gets a tremendous reaction. He is super charismatic, whether you like him or you don't like him, or if you don't like or like his act. Um, the people, but it, it's not um, its not random. There are specific groups of people that like him and specific groups of people that don't. And there are exceptions to all of these. But generally, the hardcore wrestling fans, who also happen to mostly be like... Uh, middle-class white guys who have had nothing to do but watch wrestling for, you know, decades, they all really don't like him because he doesn't fit their ideals of either, like, strong style or the technical wizardry of, like, a guy like Chris Benoit had or the aerial tactics of, you know, uh, Rey Mysterio. He doesn't have the interesting charisma of Eddie Guerrero. He's just a big, smiling, baby-faced meathead guy who does basic moves and and wins. So the people that covered che- in merch, covered, covered in, in advertising, colorful merch, the people who cheer John Cena primarily were the kids who just want to have a good guy to look up to. And by the way, buy all that merch and and women who just want to have a good guy to look at. Well, that's that's definitely a big part of it. I'm not personally attracted to John Cena like still, uh, that much. Like, I don't think he's ugly, but he has yeah. like he has like a look that middle American women. Women love. Right. It's kind of like Matt Damon. He does look a little like Matt Damon. And yeah, women do like to come, just like, you know, men will come and see like the the, the sexy bikini contest. You know, you, you fill an arena with women. If there's a hunky guy, they can get behind. But it's not even just that. A lot of the, the women who are wrestling fans aren't nearly as cynical as the men who are wrestling fans. So they're not just going to reject the good guy that's presented to them. And they won't like the bad guy who's been sleazy on TV. They're not going to idolize Randy Orton for being a stoic asshole the way guys are because stoic assholes have treated them horribly their whole uh, lives. My, my, my general observations about Cena across all the matches that we've watched is, I you know, I, I right away understood why he is, you know, in like probably the top five most popular wrestlers who ever lived. Yep. Uh, a, he plays to the back of the audience in an expert, expert way. Yes. You, everything he does is broadcast very clearly. I bet you could sit in the cheap, maybe not like the cheap, cheap seats, but like I bet you could sit pretty far away oh, yeah. and make out the expression on his face. Yeah, uh, one but of the on, and and even if you can't see his actual face, you know what the expression on his face is by looking at the rest of his body. Yeah, it's, he and like the way that he. Like all like his movements, especially whenever he does his whatever the version of hulking up is or something like when yeah. he's like getting ready. It's not thing. quite as obvious as Hogan's dance that he does, but he does the same thing. And it's a very specific 
kind of physicality that like it's not even like it's not particularly graceful it's not no, he's clunky it's not as like strong as some other guys but it is very distinct and clear he right? looks like how an action figure kind of moves he absolutely you does know? yeah and a big part of what his the point of him is is to sell action figures <laughs> which he has done and he does have you know you talk about um his appeal to women i think you know he does really have kind of like an you know an ideal combination of traits that I think a lot of people are attracted to, which is that he is clearly like a a warm and kind guy with those puppy dog eyes who probably would do right by you, and he also can lift a truck. <laughs> yeah, you know, not so if a you've lot got of... a truck on you. You know, yeah, <laughs> not, not a lot of you. not a lot of guys leave the WWE and then have a lot of awful stuff to say about John Cena the way like a lot of people have buried Hogan over the years, for example. Like they tried to get Punk to talk bad on him and Punk's like, no, 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 John's right. great. Right. P Punk, when he left the WWE, did a couple of like scathing tell all dirt shoot interviews and fans were like salivating like John Cena, right, John? And he's like, I love working with John. John's a pro. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really I, I loved working with Kane. It's a night off. You go out and the fans <laughs> the fans are hot. Yeah. People are like, oh, I was pissed I had to wrestle Kane. No, I love Glenn. Glenn's a great wrestler. It's like, good punk. You know what you're talking about. And that's, you know, Cena does seem to have, like, there's a lot of, art. you know, I'm sure there's a lot of artificiality to, like, the, you know, to his sort of um, uh, white guy appropriating a rapper sort of character and then also like all the military stuff and everything like that but he does kind of exude this like sort of working man's wrestler like he yeah. shows up he does the job he's cool with everybody the you were telling me like in, in the lost episode that he is kind of known as somebody who's never done steroids yeah. he's just progressively gotten somewhat stronger as time goes on because he, he just has hits a the gym. In exercise science. And really? Yeah. I did not know he, that. His yeah. body looked a bit more steroidy back in the UPW days when he was well, first starting when out. When he first started out, he was a bodybuilder and he 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 was on the natural bodybuilding circuit and one of the reasons he became a wrestler instead was he couldn't compete in bodybuilding because he just wasn't on steroids. <laughs> Everyone else was like, he's like, and he, he wouldn't say that. He would just be like, oh, even in natural, like my natural body can't get as big and cut as these other guys. And it's like, right, because you aren't on the gas. You aren't unnaturally huge. And like, and he's comfortable with the fact that a lot of people will always think he's on steroids. And he's like, well, you can look at my exercise progression and it goes up like this, like it's supposed to if you're consistent with it. But people don't want to hear that they just look at me and they want to think oh he's he's on the gas yeah whatever and he's very secure in himself at right now he's stepped aside like voluntarily to let everyone else go because he wants yeah. to see what he's in the movies and people are asking him you can have a match at wrestlemania and he said well if they come to me with a really good idea but i'm not like angling for one like there's all these guys on the road who were trying to get on wrestlemania all year and i wasn't so i'd feel unless it's a really good idea i'd feel bad taking a you know 20 minutes away from one of them uh, all right, let's dive into the matches. All right, what matches do we got today, Professor? All right, so first we've got uh, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar from Extreme Rules 2012 in an Extreme Rules match. Uh, that's when there are lots of extra rules, right? Uh, no, the opposite no? of that. That's, the, that's, that's, that's disappointing. It's a bit of a misnomer. I was yes. like, I thought it would be great. It's like, okay, to be eliminated, you have to go out between the second and the third rope after the guy has done his finisher, but you can use chairs, but they can only be this brand of chairs. You can't, you have to be able to take 
take the chairs away from the announcer and use those chairs. Well, I you think, think that, this is TNA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have the same idea. Right? Yeah. You can use the Spanish announce table, but not the American <laughs> announce table. USA. I think there's, USA. W- there's one match we've watched so far where the American announce table gets destroyed and not the Spanish oh, announcers. God. And I was like, that must have been nice That's, that night. That is that. a yeah. long term run, like decades yeah. long, uh, decades long uh, running gag in the WWE that they always go for the Spanish announce table first. I, I think that the tag team, the SAT, yeah. uh, jo- Joel and Jose, Jose Maximo, Maximo, they called themselves the SAT which is a, the acronym for Spanish announce team Yeah. Uh, in um, tribute to the often abused <laughs> Spanish announcers. And what, what were the other matches we got? So um, then we've got John Cena defending the WWE Championship against the Great Khali oh at Judgment Day 2007. Oh, boy. And then finally... Uh, the match I chose as the bad match, because it really sticks out in my mind, even though it was just a random episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, specifically the September 28th, 2009 episode of Raw, was a gauntlet match with John Cena taking on first Chris Jericho, then The Big Show, and then Randy Orton. That that match insulted my intelligence. Oh, we'll get to uh, it. Geez. Yeah, that I, that I was... Everybody involved looked like an idiot. I, I feel like Great Collie should insult my intelligence, but instead I just love him for some well, reason. No, and I also, I felt like I understood what was happening in that match and the mistakes that people made. Like, there yeah. was nothing in that match that upset me outside of somebody deciding that Great Collie was ready for prime time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the the reason why we chose that match was because... It's a great example of how John Cena was able to carry just about anybody to a good match. Because that's a, a good collie match. match. Yeah. Think, think oh, yeah. about that, Evan. That's a good collie that match. That is disturbing. I like to describe the great collie, and like uh, I don't think we're going to go on too much about this match, so let's do it first. Um, I like to describe the great collie as like the swinging, fiery blades in the dungeons of Super Mario Brothers. Like, they will kill you if you come in contact with them. But once you figure out, like, they're slow, you can jump over them and move on. He, he does look like a guy who you anybody could win a fight with him yeah. by just running up and punching him in the dick and running away before he could get them and just doing that a bunch of times. don't bend. If, yeah. if he falls over, he's down. Good luck. Like, it's going to take him so long to get back up. He did kind of kill a guy in training. A little bit. He did. Uh, he, it wasn't really his fault. It was fault, accidental. But, you he powerbombed the guy and he was clearly concussed and then the trainer was like, do it again! And then the guy was dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. That's uh, wow. I, I would put the blame on that firmly on the trainer. Yes. Oh yes. 100%. Shake it off. You know, luckily those attitudes in wrestling have been changing a lot since those. You days. know, Kali is a trainer himself now. He that's has his that's own terrifying. School. Well, they just announced that two of his seven foot tall Indian trainees are at the newest uh, performance center tryout because he trains people in India now. Because he's, he's originally from, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> he's actually a Punjabi prison guard. Yeah. Or he was that, before he became a wrestler. Yeah, that he tracks. has, he has, he has like some form of gigantism, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think you get above seven feet without like a pituitary problem. Also just, also just like the proportions his on his face and yeah. stuff. Uh, so, Betsy, there was one thing that insulted my intelligence about this match. Yes. And it's something we've talked about before. So, part of the story of the match is that the great Kali had stolen the championship belt 
right? Oh, he was not right. actually the champion, even though he entered with the belt, but they refused to call it the belt, so they idiotically say, Kali has Cena's championship. Belt, 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 belt. Why, why would they not call it the belt? There... Because it's not a belt, it's a championship. A belt holds up your pants. Apparently, but that's a, specifically that's Vince McMahon's attitude. Because I was, I feel like a championship is more like a concept, right? Like yeah. it's not like it's not like a right. physical thing, or it's it's an event. But I, sure. I think <laughs> Vince thinks that calling it a belt like denigrates it to sort of an ordinary object. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that this is what denigrates the product <laughs> yeah, right, for in Vince about. McMahon's mind. They're not wrestlers; like, they're superstars. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. They're not house shows. They're live events. The fact that Great Khali is 420 pounds does kind of make me want to see him fight a guy who's 69 pounds. But, <laughs> but that would probably be sad. That would probably that would be that a would child. Probably, yeah. So on him being Indian, so his promo is in Punjabi. And this is definitely, you know, trying to fire up some racist instincts in people. Uh, oh, he's yelling at me in foreign. I, I don't I, like that. I, I still approve when they let people whose first language is something else just do a promo in that language. It's much more effective. Oh, always better. But yeah. this is definitely for heat. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he's got Runjan Singh as his manager. He was actually one of the writers at the time. Mm. Um, but I think the whole way that they set up the uh, video package, I mean, it is Judgment Day, but I think the Christian imagery is supposed to be juxtaposed with his foreignness and his like you know oriental uh, oh, heathen the giant, heathenism the giant from the forbidden lands of the orient yeah, yeah. totally man, has that kind of vibe man when he body slammed cena it was a little scary you could see T cena have yep. to turn himself at the last second oh yeah there was there was a second i think the commenters even mention it like there's a there's a time when he um throws cena to the ground and it looks like he's dropping him directly onto his head yeah, yeah. jr We're thinking says, of the same thing oh, yeah, yeah. JR says, I think he's trying to spike him there. Um, but he, also on this whole um, uh, Orientalism or whatever, uh, JR says, this human being, and I use that term somewhat loosely, Oy. right? They're really. And like, I, I guess he's supposed to him. mean like, oh, he's a monster, but that's not what it really comes off as. No, I've never heard them question the humanity of the big show, right? Like, that's nope. who is not like, really. No, they portray large. him yeah. as a family man at times. Yeah. Yes. They do yes. question um, Brock Lesnar's humanity, but, but in a different way. Well, that's his character. Well, the same thing right. with the Undertaker. Yeah, like the that's beast. you know, Brock um, Lesnar. Yeah. I will say for the Brock Lesnar match, uh, one uh, it starts and somebody holds up a sign that says "Bork Laser." <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's all it is. I love Bork that. Bork laser. That that was that was a popular nickname around the internet forum for a little while, just for exactly the reasons you're thinking. It sounds great. Man. Uh, this was this was Lesnar's first WWE match in years. He had left after a wrestling Bill Goldberg, a match I'm sure we're never gonna watch again. Uh what a horror. Anyway, he left after facing Bill Goldberg. He had a few matches in Japan. He joined the UFC, won the UFC Heavyweight Championship, left the UFC, and came back. So this was a really big deal. You know, he showed up on Raw one night and just murks Cena. And they're billing him as the new face of WWE, which in a lot of ways he did become. Yes. Uh, at this point, he's clearly by far the top guy. I mean, now, as we're recording this. Um and what we get in this match is a level of violence that fans had not seen for a long time mm -hmm. and in some ways haven't really seen since in a WWE ring. 
Did you? The ref were the ref refing in this match is both great and hilarious in, in like so many ways because like okay, Charles Robinson goes down first. He gets like hit. How does he go down the first time? He gets like hit by someone running I, or something, and oh, then yeah. he just flops to the ground and just rolls out like like a fucking like beached fish, like and then like <laughs> stops moving, and then there's like a solid. Five, eight, five to ten minutes where there's no refs, and they're all like in the back, like cutting up a straw and like putting them. Okay, draw straws <laughs> for who has to go out there and deal with poor brought with with which which of us has to go out deal with Brock Lesnar. Here comes John Cone, who hadn't been around like long at the time, but like by now is one of their head officials. Would you say right? Oh yeah, he's, he's been, like one of the head officials. He's got on tenure. Raw. Yeah, but 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 at this point, he'd only been with the comp- company like one or two years. Like this young, like I'm here to help. One, two. It was two. Ow. Right. Then, then Lesnar <laughs> just clotheslines him yeah. into oblivion. And then Charles Robinson comes back in again. But before he comes back in, Lesnar picks him up by his belt. Yeah. Like, and he totally planks. Not in the his air. championship. No. His, no. And, and, and you see a couple other refs run in and start helping Cone, looking at the ring like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Are you doing it? No, man. I'm not getting in there. No, man. He just he just punches guys. Well, And then, then Charles Robinson comes in. And- and yeah, Brock back, Lesner, back to Brock Lesnar picks up John Cena and F5s John Cena directly into Charles Robinson. Who once again flops <laughs> on the right gra- out, of the <laughs> out of the ring like a fish perfectly. When he finally makes the three count at the end, like he's nowhere near their sh- uh, Cena's or uh, Lesnar's no, shoulders. No, he's not, but it works because he's so barely conscious and just wants this fucking match over exactly. with. Exactly. <laughs> so John Cena was able to negotiate the great Kali to the mat and put on his hold and win. Uh, John Cena, after the violent onslaught of Brock Lesnar, was managed to give Brock Lesnar his, you know, FU, or I guess it was the attitude adjustment by then, the AA, onto the stairs and pin him. <clears throat> this was one of the things that infuriated people about John Cena is that he even like he would just win too much. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more with the, oh, the yeah, bad yeah. match, too, especially. But there, there's actually a sign. Yeah. Um, during the bad match, I noticed in the crowd that says we've seen a little too much, yeah, which really <laughs> encapsulates it uh, uh, really well. But the, yeah. Oh no, I was just say I um I do like how you know, and this plays into uh, Cena's value as a heel is that from what I could tell watching the video package before the story of this match is that uh, Brock Lesnar wanted to hurt John Cena because he doesn't like him. Yes. Wait, so John Cena is not a heel. <laughs> No, no, well, I, I mean, for me, he is personally. Okay. So I may look. Maybe the wrestling world view views him differently. I, I cannot view. Well, I cannot view John Cena as I anything mean, but a heel. Match, I like at to least say, in this... at this time period, John Cena was the top babyface and the top heel. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the way the match works, you know, Lesnar is the one killing him the whole match. Cena is the one who makes the miraculous comeback at the end, and that that sort of thing. So at least in terms of how wrestling stories work. Uh, Cena is programmed as as the babyface in this match. I, I, I guess my con outside of my own personal distaste, it seemed like the appeal of the match was that people wanted to see somebody beat the shit out of John Cena. Yeah, and Brock yeah. Lesnar is particularly good at hurting people. Though you'll notice in both these matches, the Brock and Kali, the crowd goes nuts for Cena's comeback. Yeah, they well, Cena always... knows when to do it and how. Yeah. Um, and and you know they he got the crowd behind him in the Brock match. So, you know, Brock brutalizes him. 
for the entire match. At the beginning, he hits him with these elbow strikes that are clearly designed to bust Cena open hard way, and they do it. Cena's bleeding out the side of his head. Unlike the match between Brock and Daniel Bryan, Cena does try to fight back the whole time, which helps get the crowd behind him because he's he's trying. Um, and then, see, I see this match really as the battle between like real fighting and sports entertainment. And as much as the crowd might want to see Cena get beat up, as much as they might be interested in Brock because he's a real fighter, they are wrestling fans. And in the end, sports entertainment prevailed. When Lesnar was just beating on him, he could have killed him, you know, but he didn't have a ref to count the fall. Then he tried to get fancy with the stairs, and the stairs have often been Lesnar's undoing. You know, he almost dropped those stairs on John Cohn. He like lifted them over his head, and then he could see his hand be like, "Oh no, I can't! Like this is not where I have my muscles under the stairs. My wrist is gonna get." He like steadies it and gets it in the ring. He goes for this silly like jumping off the stairs dive into <laughs> Cena on the on the apron, which goes horribly wrong. He falls right out of the ring, and that's and that's what ends up. Losing him the match in the end, and I think this is, you know, there's a couple reasons, I think, why Lesnar lost this match, despite the fact that it was his big return. And one of them was that I think Vince wanted to put sports entertainment over real fighting. Mm. The other reason, I think, is because he still didn't trust Lesnar long term. And before they were going to push Lesnar to the moon, they wanted to make sure he was good with losing. Yeah, he was going to do business. Also, the third reason is that they were still setting up Cena for the to beat The Rock at the next WrestleMania. What does you can't see me mean? It means you can't see him. I mean, it, okay, it, moving on. It, it, um. could, <laughs> it could mean a few different things. Like, it, it's 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 a battle rap phrase. It it essentially means like I'm too quick and sharp for you. You're not even gonna see me beat you. Okay, you know, like think if you see a <coughs> anime sword fighter like Twitch, and then something falls to pieces, you can't even see him do his moves. Okay, all there, right. There's that's... a couple layers. I think another layer of it is you can't see where I'm coming from. Like, you don't know what my strategy is. You think I'm one thing, you know? But you uh, can't see But you me. can't really see the real me underneath, you know, that's going to beat you. Well, that's it, it seems like, you know, he plays with this um, uh, sort of whole concept of authenticity. I mean, which all of, all of wrestling does that, I think, plays yeah, yeah. with the uh, concept of authenticity. Um but for him especially, it seems weird because it all—it seems like he is not an authentic person. Like even that his character is sort of well, the, a character of an inauthentic, but not not John Cena himself, but John yeah, Cena yeah. the character. Well, he's I, a big know, shill. Yeah, right. He's, yeah, he's a big shill. That's a very good way to put it. He, like so many wrestling greats, um, is primarily primarily just wants to make the most money for the company and for himself. And when you're the one in the company making the most money, you can concentrate on making the company the most money. Uh, and so he does. And he found that the thing that worked the best with that is this character doing it this way. He can re he can put out the same merch in a different color every year for a decade. And uh, a new crop of kids will get into him. And you see these kids laden with like 10 pieces of merch each. Yeah. They've got a shirt. They've got a chain. They've got wristbands. They've got headbands. There's the those hat. 
the hats. There's these two kids in the front row during the Lesnar match, and Lesnar is just brutalizing Cena in front of him, and the parents are just totally thrilled with it. They're just <laughs> laughing. So people. tired of this John Cena motherfucker. But the little <laughs> kids are, you know, God, they what are they learning? <laughs> Watching John that, Cena. That get there are no heroes. That's what they're yeah. learning. It's an important lesson. But like for for all the people that give uh, give Just John show Cena, them Watchmen, yeah. John Cena and his character shit, like he's the one that would draw people to the arenas. People will come specifically to see him. Uh, Betsy and I went to a show in Philadelphia once, right? John Cena. Right, and it was John Cena versus Rusev was not the main event. It was the match before the main this event. A, this was a battleground. It was a very. Uh... It was a B-level pay-per-view. It was a B-level pay-per-view that sold very poorly and had a Punjabi prison match with right. the great with a cameo by the great Kali. Yeah. Um, anyway, the match before the main event was John Cena versus Rusev in like a flag match, a very like traditional "I'm American and you're not" kind of thing. And he'd had a couple of feuds with Rusev and had lost to him a few times. But the point I'm trying to make is, there was a little kid right behind us, and. Uh, when John Cena came out, he lost his mind. The and, entire match. And he was just screaming John Cena's name over and over again. John Cena, John Cena. And then when the John Cena match was over, that kid, his mother, and about 30% of the audience left. They just left. <laughs> they didn't want to see the rest of the show. They wanted to see they John they, Cena. They didn't want to see Jinder Mahal. Oh, oh my and God, Randy Jinder Orton. Mahal killed like, ticket sales so bad. In the Punjabi prison match, which is like a steel cage that's supposed to look like a bunch of giant bamboo sticks, and then surrounding it is a bigger cage made of what's looked. You can't see the ring in the arena much, nor on television. It's a disaster. Uh, that's another story. You also got to think about this stuff internationally um, and oh, like yeah. how these superstars are presented internationally. So um, my uh, ex-girlfriend was Albanian, uh, is Albanian, and I went to Albania. Was she, Albanian. Did, she did not stop being Albanian after you guys broke up. It wasn't like you guys broke up and she was like, oh, actually, I've been Polish well, this whole time. I had a girlfriend who's Albanian. Had. And uh, when... <laughs> <laughs> went to Albania and her uh, little cousins, they knew about wrestling. They hadn't seen a lot. I, you know, I think what they saw on TV in Albania was like four or five years old that got broadcast there. And they only knew about six wrestlers. And one of them was John Cena. And if you're America, if you're an American wrestling company and you want to project to the world your, you know, heroic American wrestler archetype, you can't really do much better than John Cena. Did Cena wrestle in Saudi Arabia? Was he on the first one? Maybe he was Maybe. on the first one. He hasn't been going to them. Like he no. might have been on the first one. Somebody, but I, can't even I feel remember. like no. I feel like yeah, he hasn't he been on them. And like they'll they offer people like more money, even guys like Cena, like enough money that people are will sell their morals to go. Yeah, and blood like, money. Yeah. Um two stray thoughts on Cena before we get into the terrible match. Oh boy. Uh one, um, jorts and knee braces mm -hmm. looked fucking stupid. Yeah, people uh, had always said to him, why don't you just wear trunks? To which he, like, opened, like, an app on his phone and showed people his bank account and was like, yeah. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, oh, buddy. yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> but like... But no, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. It looks fucking stupid. And, and he has the sneakers, and back in the day, he'd have the retro high tops with the pumps. Yeah. And he'd pump his sneakers before doing the FU. 
The kids loved it. Do you remember the urban legend about about when when the when the Nike pumps came out and people were pumping and there was a story about a kid who went skateboarding with it and his foot fell off? Oh no! Did you guys, I don't think that was real. I no, think that was an urban not. legend. But I was just wondering if that had they been didn't it. pump that tight. That's, there was yeah. a little bladder of air that just yeah. yeah. Um, and then my other thought with seen is that I bet that kids movie that came out with him recently and him and Keegan Michael Key and their firefighters. Do you remember Paw Patrol? And the, no, <laughs> that would be amazing if John Cena was just like, guys, I'm on fucking Paw Patrol now. I can see John and Cena. He doing became Paw like the Steve of Blues Clues, but yeah. with Paw, where he's like the live action guy in Paw Patrol. I uh, can totally yeah. see him being like the Steve from Blues yeah. Clues too. Uh, I can totally. If see you're that. a parent, don't show your kids Paw Patrol because that shit is just a breeding ground for fascism. Uh, <laughs> okay, oh, and also, yeah. all of those dogs are cops. And 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 um, Dalmatians have serious vision problems, yeah, y'all. Yeah. Oh, let's watch my favorite show, Snitch Dogs. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I so they're pig. firefighters. Anyway, he was boy. Like, they should be pigs, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> he was in a um. Uh, no, yeah. There was like some movie that came out recently where like him and Keegan Michael Key and a few other people. And I remember seeing the ad, and it was one of these ads where I'm like watching, I'm, like this movie looks fucking stupid and then halfway through i'm like oh this is a movie for children i'm i'm <laughs> right. this is not i i'm being yeah. extremely judgmental i bet it was good i bet i bet he yeah, sure kicks fine. ass in a children's comedy film by the way he left for a while after this match he had just he just lost to the rock at wrestlemania then the next pay-per-view he, he wrestled brock right, right uh and then he left for a while and then really only came back to fight the rock again at the next wrestlemania i think yeah. and i think he left to film the aforementioned train wreck with Amy Schumer. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was starting his movie career. And he's pretty it. funny in that movie. Yeah. I bet he's a fucking solid comedic actor. Honestly, yeah. like, I, I bet. He has I, very good timing. I do think of that, um, the gif floating around. I don't know what match it's from, where, but I guess it's like a Christmas-themed match. And there's <laughs> like there's about. like a big like wrapped present near the ring, and everybody's like, John, John, go look, go open the present. He like slowly goes over like, what? What is this? What could possibly be... In this box, I don't understand. He unwraps the present, and then he and then it, and he takes that, and it's a chair. <laughs> and he, that, the look on his face. Yeah, uh, just he just so, looks like oh, I'm gonna fucking hit a guy I'll, with this. It's I'll tell you great. what, it's very early to to say this, but let's do it. Let's do a holiday episode in December, and we can show you like that. That was an episode of Monday Night Raw where like Alberto Del Rio would always come out like in his car, except they had him come out and accidentally hit Santa Claus. <laughs> who took a big bump <laughs> off his car. And Del Rio was like freshly turned face, but they were like, you're going to be healed tonight. And I it's not like- I kind of remember this. And he didn't come out and was like, yeah, screw Santa. He came out and was like, oh no, oh no. And then like all the baby fans like, we're going to, what are we going to do? We're going to have to deal with this. And then John Cena's like, first Santa. And then they they do uh, that. Yeah. It's fantastic. I would love yeah. I would love to do that and do a holiday the match. Um, by the way, a really underrated comedic actor, I think. I mean, he's not much of a promo. When he talks, it's not that great. But in terms of his facial expressions, is Brock Lesnar. <laughs> oh, and, and we are uh, a couple days out from the 2020 Royal, Royal Rumble. And I I personally think I didn't mind the Brock thing as a whole concept. I thought it went a few men, too many uh 
participants, like with him dominating the first half of the Rumble. Like I thought it went a few too many people, but like his facial expressions during all of it, like when other oh, people yeah. were in, like when he was dancing to MVP's music. <laughs> <laughs> or when he was suddenly really kind of concerned because Keith Lee was coming out. Yeah. Or like when he was happy to see Shelton Benjamin and then murdered him. So in the match with Cena, he gets his... You know, he gets knocked out basically by Cena hitting him with the chain mm-hmm. and then FUing him on the stairs, and then Cena pins him. And so he's kind of loopy at the end. And he stumbles out of the ring and is sort of swinging at shadows. And a fan, he gets close enough where a fan slaps him on the shoulder and he rears back to almost take a swing at the fan <laughs> in a really hilarious way, I yeah. thought. Uh, so, Evan, just for, the, for your information, the beginning of this Royal Rumble, which Evan didn't end up seeing. Uh, the gimmick was Brock was going to come out at number one as the WWE champion and basically like, well, if he could win the Royal Rumble and beat everybody, he could just take WrestleMania off. Right. And the first 13 guys after Brock came in and Brock threw him out. And eventually the Rumble went on and Brock didn't win. But it's like it was infuriating for somebody. <laughs> it was just like, they're just going to do it, aren't they? Brock's just going to beat everybody and leave with the title again, isn't he? Uh, Which yeah. that has to be getting old. Yes. yes. Right. Like, because I yes. like, like, cause, like a lot of the Brock matches that we've watched. Like, because I, I, I find Brock's character and his role in the WWE and his like force of nature, like neutrality, to be really interesting. It is. But like, I mean, you know, we've we've it's watched matches for years now. That's the thing. We've watched matches with Brock that are over ten years old. And, like, and the problem is, it's it's uh, in my. In my personal opinion regarding wrestling, I feel Brock not being around on Raw when, like a lot of the time is the main problem on Raw because when he's doing the part-time dominant monster gimmick and he's not there, you don't have a main title on this flagship show and the rest of the show just kind of goes to shit around it as they try to find something else to focus on. At the same time, this is what makes him a heel. Like the booking is why you want to see someone beat him for the title, because otherwise, I mean, they have a problem. They have a problem. They don't have big stars. They don't have anyone else like nearly on his level that they have around regularly. So what are they going to do? Just have him destroy another guy every single week? No, they keep him off TV which serves the dual purpose of one, keeping him as a special attraction and two, infuriating the fans who think that he should be, which he really should, who think that there should be a champion on TV every week, which there should be ideally. But in this case, that's what makes the business. There's layers to the whole thing. I get it. And I agree. But like, I think on the whole, it's very negative for Raw's product. They don't have a reason for people to watch Raw then. They're just pissed the champion isn't on it. Right. And so they don't watch it. But you know what? Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. (laughs) But yeah, I don't want to watch three hours of Raw anyway every week. Oh, God. It's good. Raw nowadays, I feel like, is just supposed to be an advertisement for the WWE product that brings in people who are flipping through channels Mm -hmm. who don't know anything about wrestling anyway. So it doesn't really matter what they show. As long as they see people doing moves... And maybe some characters that they find sort of entertaining or maybe some absolutely horrible, objectionable shit that they in their fucking reptilian brained uh, consciousness think is cool. They'll fucking get into wrestling. So let's get on to that. Last oh. match. Can I make one more observation? Fine about is, it that, is it that the main thing Brock farms is fan resentment? <laughs> 
Uh, no, but that's a good point. Um, so I ended up actually watching Raw this week because I wanted to see the what they were going to do with Edge. I liked Edge coming out of the Rumble. That was great. And to your point about it being for people flipping the channels, they must have played Edge's theme music 25 times during Raw. They played it before, before and after every commercial break and in the middle of every segment, they'd show like an Edge moment at every time. Cause that people, one face he made? Yeah. That one face he made uh, where he looks like he's about to cry and then, like, you know, the greatest instance uh, of his career. But they just kept playing, like, that trigger of the beginning of music. Edge is here. Edge is here. Yeah, he Edge is here. Like that was the last about, thing on the show. He looks like he's about to cry because I'm pretty sure he was about to cry. Oh, that was fantastic. I'm glad Edge is back. Anyway, yeah, so let's we can so move yeah, on. Speaking of how shitty Monday Night Raw can be, um, this gauntlet match. Now, first of all, Al Sharpton... Uh, was the they had a guest host, a celebrity guest host for Raw every week at this time. And this week it was Al Sharpton. They were in Albany. I thought it was funny. He comes out and talks about bipartisan education reform. Him and Newt Gingrich are pushing for it. And the crowd boos. They're like, no, boo, education. I mean, God knows what the bill actually was yeah, and if I, it would did it any yeah, good I or harm. No idea. Um, but I but it was great because Jericho is part of the promo and he totally turns it to his heelish advantage by being like, you people are booing education. What the hell is wrong with you? Jericho was doing an amazing gimmick at this point. Shocker, Jericho does something amazing uh, <laughs> um, at this point where he was very, very serious, like overwhelmingly like not fun. This was serious. Uh, Jericho, he said, right? yeah, he said that he based the character largely on the villain in No Country for Old Men. Oh, I could actually really see that. Yeah, that's it. So here, I actually I have a couple observations yeah. about Jericho um, that were largely the most positive things I felt about this match. Um, one, if this, if the win condition for this match was based on awesome footwear, uh, it'd be fucking be over in one second because goddamn those boots are amazing, especially compared to Cena's ratty ass sneakers. Um, one question: At one point, Jericho gets Cena into a headlock. And the ref looks like he's checking for something. So he's trying to make sure that the headlock is is secure around the chin and not around the windpipe. Because the choke is illegal, uh, but the headlock is not. Okay. This, but this is a problem in modern wrestling. Yes. Because that was always the case, right? You put someone in a sleeper hold, you're not choking them across the windpipe. You're pressing on their jugular and carotid artery right. to cut off the blood flow to their brain. But nowadays, because of the popularization of the rear naked choke in MMA, a lot of wrestlers use that as a finishing move, which is clearly a choke. So there's an inconsistency these days regarding choking and that sort of thing. It's the same thing with like closed, uh, closed fist punches. It's like, is it illegal or not? Right. No um, one's ever been disqualified for punching someone yet. It is ostensibly illegal. Yeah. Um, um, so a little background before yes. we get to the actual match of still on this episode of raw. So earlier in the night, uh, Chris Jericho and the Big Show, who are the unified tag team champions, a.k.a. Jericho. They had both the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. So they defend those titles against the team of Mark Henry and MVP earlier in the night in a really good match, actually. Um, and a grueling match that, you know, takes a lot out of Jericho and the Big Show. So you'd think, oh, even though Cena's going up against three people later in the night, two of them have already had this tough match. So, you know, it's at least kind of believable that Cena would be able to beat all three of them. 
That would be fine if they had told the story of the match in one way. That is not how they told the story in the match at all. I didn't get the story of this match at all. I mean, I got it. It just didn't work. Right. Um, so I, I get I can launch into that, but I think you wanted to say something else before that, Evan. Oh, no. Um, just, it was one last uh, little observation about Jericho. Um, maybe I just haven't noticed this with other wrestlers, but Jericho used his opponents or like used other people's names in a way. Like I just heard him yelling like, Cena, Cena, come over here. Cena, what's your yeah. problem? Cena. And then saying like when he was out of the match, he kept yelling like, no, big show. No, big, sh- big show. What are you doing? And like, I love your uh, Jericho Muppet voice. Thank there. you. I don't yeah. know why <laughs> I made him sound like that. Um, That's fine. And uh, and I don't know and like I maybe that's like maybe that is a thing that other wrestlers do but I just like I actually often notice that people don't call each other by name yeah. in wrestling. Jericho is generally very vocal in his matches too. I really like he, that. He likes calling people stupid idiot. Yeah, I like that. It kind of <laughs> remind me. You know who else was really vocal that I liked was when we watched the Ronda Rousey matches. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. where she was just like fucking yelling at people. Like, I, and I'm like, how you don't see that very often. I enjoy it. Some people think she's too vocal, but I like. Yeah. Oh, I thought that I was think great. It's fine. I think the fans in the stands don't really mind. It's funny because in Jericho's early part of his career, especially when he was in Japan and he was just a pure white meat baby face. He would just he'd yell out, "Come on, baby!" to get the crowd riled up, yeah. and that has become a kind of running joke with him ever yeah. since. Uh, it, uh, it's become known basically as the most generic thing you can shout to get the crowd to applaud. Although I was on a show once with Damian Demento, and he literally would go up to the second rope and say, "Would you applaud?" He did that about six times, and by the third, the crowd was done with it. But uh, I, I think at Wrestle Kingdom yeah. this year, Naito even said, come on, baby, yeah, to Jericho. <laughs> oh, I would definitely uh, do a Jeb Bush-themed wrestler where I just asked the audience to clap. Yeah, please, please clap. Um and then, did you see that happen? Uh, that happened to Buddha Judge too. Yeah, it wasn't quite as it wasn't, it wasn't as quite funny, as severe, but it was but still yeah. pretty. It was the way he was like, "Come on, guys!" Come on, um, really? here, there, that's somebody who the Muppet voice is appropriate for. Yes, that's um, true. So we get to the fucking match, and first it's Cena against Jericho, and Jericho comes out selling the the first match, like, "Oh, I'm kind of beat up," but then. It's not like Jericho beats down Cena for a while and Cena overcomes uh, because Jericho has something taken out of him. No, Jericho beats him up, puts him in the walls of Jericho, gets intentionally disqualified. To, oh, I loved it. Like uh, <laughs> Cena gets to the ropes, but well, Jericho doesn't break at five. Up, up till that, it made enough sense with the gauntlet match. Like, he's got two more guys. I can get disqualified and just keep him in this hold. He's going to be nothing when my partner comes exactly. out. Exactly, and he keeps him in the hold a long time. Yeah. And this is one of your tag team champions, one of the top wrestlers in the company, putting on his dreaded submission hold for like two minutes. Yeah. Then this, didn't we watch a match a, a while ago where somebody also did that to like Jerry Lawler? Bret Hart. Bret, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so then the Big Show comes out. The fucking Big Show, seven foot, five hundred pounds, also beats the shit out of John Cena. Yeah. Um, Cena starts to come back for a minute, but then Jericho interferes, causing another DQ, and they both beat the shit out of him. They, they put uh, Cena in Big Show's hold. Was the Big Show? Uh, a, 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 every time I've seen we got to do a big show episode because we i do, just yeah, yeah I, and do. like i he, he's a very interesting figure and he is one of in terms of like comedic facial expressions 
fucking one of the goddamn best. And everyone looks... says he's like hilarious in real life. Yeah. Oh, that I mean, like you know, we talked a while back. We talked about an episode where he was like laughing at uh, Triple H because he got punched in the <laughs> ear. And he's like, oh, you suck. Uh, yeah. But then there was in this, he looks so happy squeezing the life out of John Cena. <laughs> and I normally think that bear hugs are stupid and boring, and this was so fucking great to watch because he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm killing John Cena. This is so nice. Well, this was the camel clutch, right? Well, he put him in the, the bear the hug first. The colossal clutch. He put him in the bear hug okay. first early in like his match. With it. I think one of the problems with previous bear hugs you'd seen is that it's always between guys who are all really enormous. But the big show's literally twice John Cena's size. <laughs> so another really annoying thing, Michael Cole keeps saying this is the second of three gauntlet matches. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's not. It's the second of three matches within the gauntlet. I nitpicked that so hard. Like, it's uh, one gauntlet match. It, it's like in, the difference between a game and a set in tennis. I mean, in his defense, yeah. he's a dum-dum who says <laughs> dumb things. JR? Then uh, uh, Michael Cole. Michael the Cole. Worst, yeah, I was going to defend JR. The though. worst thing about it is he said it so many times that I'm almost sure it was a line that Vince kept yeah. feeding to him. That's how you refer to it. Multiple gauntlet matches. One thing I noticed. Like, make uh, it sound like Cena's been through even more than he. <laughs> One thing I noticed, because this is a match on Raw, and usually we watch matches from, like, the big events. You can always tell in these main events when they hit the 11 o'clock hour, because there's an overrun on Raw. Not so much anymore, but, like, it goes from, uh, it's three hours long. It goes from 8 to, like, 11.10 or something. And exactly at 11, whatever's going on, Michael Cole just cuts in and goes, you are watching Monday Night Raw and this is the match that is happening and this is why it's happening I know for you, anyone flipping channels. I know you wanted Slam Ball, but here's Raw. Right. I think the overall, the overrun, rather, was consistently their, the highest rated part of the show. Well, it was during the Monday Night War, and then it was for the next eight or nine years. But for the last ten years at least, the third hour has been the the least watched hour. They go down. They used to go up. They and, go down now. And then, like, does it just go up uh, at 11 because people are like, I'm getting ready to watch Burn Notice reruns yes, or whatever. Yes, actually, a little yeah. bit. Oh, I remember for years they would advertise all those shows heavily. On they, some of them look good. I've never watched any of I'm them. I'm sure. I mean, Bruce yeah. Campbell's in Burn Notice. How yeah, bad can it be? Yeah. be? So anyway, they beat the shit out of Cena. He sells it. It's like he's been beaten by two guys, which mm -hmm. he has been. Orton comes out like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, pick the scraps it or It takes whatever. him two full verses of his theme song to get to the ring. And Cena's still selling, still kind of afraid that Orton's going to beat him up. Then the hell in the cell comes down because they're promoting that Sunday Cena would defend the title against Orton in the hell in a cell. The cell starts to come down and all of a sudden Orton is afraid yeah. that, that he's locked in the cell with Cena. Sorry. And they sell it like the announcers even say, oh, Cena outsmarted Orton as if. And I think the story of the match was this getting the shit beaten out of him in this whole gauntlet match was just a ruse to get Orton alone in the cell with him, which makes no goddamn fucking sense. No, and then Cena jumps up like he's fine after yeah, having that's like... The, like that's, that's what really upset me the most. And that's kind of what plays back into... The core issue with Cena of him simultaneously being the underdog and the guy who's expected to win is that, like, you know, for all that I fucking hate Hulk Hogan, like, Hogan would earn those, like, when he yeah, when he bounced the Hulk yeah. up, like... 
you know what was the worst part to me is the part where the match ended. There wasn't a finish. Yeah. The match yeah. just oh, ended. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. They he, go up on top of the cell. Cena hits him with the FU on the top of the cell. And then they go yeah, off they the play air. his music. That's it. There's like not even like a fucking pin or anything. No, there's no, no count. There's, it ends outside of the ring. They don't get counted out or anything. There's no, it is no, con- that is referred to as a no contest. There was that, no decision made. And they didn't even say no contest. Yeah, they didn't even say it. But I'm sure if you looked up the record of how the match, have you looked up the record of how the match ended online? Like how it's listed in the record book it would have to be considered no contest but this consistently happened on monday night raw for a long period of time consistently does it does it still do they still just go off the air with no finish not as much as they used to i think they end with a lot of segments yeah they end with a lot of segments now um but and they were selling this pay-per-view match between Cena and Orton for the title and why would you want to pay to see Orton challenge Cena for the title when Cena's fresh when Cena just completely obliterated him after getting beaten up by two guys and it's like once again like I don't I don't understand why he was able to bounce back like there's no yeah. there's no reason I would have absolutely bought a bounce back if they had established it because I'm watching a fictional story yeah, right like sure. you you just have to get you just have to get there no. and it's fine like, and to, we'll to your buy point it. about hogan like you get like after all of this he gets hit with the one move and then his adrenaline kicks in and he comes up and you don't know if he can keep it up but if he can beat the guy after this he's got him and, nothing like that just here. just the lowering of the cell yeah. Is the only event that changes. And why, why is Orton so terrified? Why would I want to see a guy who's scared of the champ challenge for the title? Well, Especially since he yeah. just came out with the understanding that Cena was beat up and yeah. he would beat him up too. Two guys easily. just beat him up so much that they both got disqualified. Look, the whole match was bad and should feel bad. Uh, yes. I mean, it really. Because. Uh, you know, Orton especially seems, you know, we haven't really gotten too much into Orton, but my feeling watching Randy Orton is that he's kind of an inhuman monster, right? Who's like super good yeah. at wrestling and is going to kill you. They, they call him the Viper. He's mad. And he's so, mad, yes. and yeah, and the, it, the fact that it turns on a dime so and he is experiencing such terror like as if like cena was just like oh like luckily i had these guns in my jorts the whole time fucking coming for which was if that had been the case fucking great would have sure. been the, the best match yeah. <laughs> like, and like how does it make guys like jericho and the big show look like your yeah. tag team champions yeah. you know none of their offense met meant anything whatsoever and it eliminates cuz there had been like the like Jericho holding him in the walls of Jericho for a really long time was so great. Mm-hmm. Like it's so Jericho looks like he's having a great time. The audience is loving it. The the ref is is like looks like he's trying to move a boulder. Like like oh <laughs> right. like straining against Chris Jericho. Like it sets up all this great stuff. And like that's the core issue with Cena is that it seems like as he is the one who is expected to win that is always going to negate everything that comes before. And it's punishing you as a viewer. You've sat through three hours of Raw watching this whole story, and none of it mattered. Yeah. Right. There wasn't even the, there wasn't even the finish you didn't want to see. <laughs> there wasn't a finish. Right. Like, they, they, they... Hogan kind of did the whole, you know, underdog that's also expected to win, but they kept coming up with 
insurmountable challenges for him. You can't have a Superman character be interesting unless you can come up with villains for that Superman that might be able to beat Superman. Oddly enough, Orton did beat Cena at that pay-per-view. Oh, yeah? I, I Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Which it's like, oh, so then nothing we set up about this yeah. encounter means anything either. Because something totally unrelated happened at the pay-per-view. And yeah. I'm going to double check that. There, All I'm going to say is uh, uh, there was three places for clean finishes in that gauntlet match. DQ, DQ, and then whatever the fuck that was. I'm, I gotta say, I'm really, really glad that we already recorded the premium episode <laughs> that we'll be complimenting this one. Normally we record the premium ones um, afterwards because uh, I don't ever want to fucking watch John Cena match again. He, I'm he's so, out of luck, isn't he? I, I know I know he's inescapable. I know it'll happen. We'll and honestly, like there are times like you know, uh, our on our premium episode that'll be dropping this Wednesday for our Patreon subscribers, five dollars mm-hmm. a month, you get a pr- bonus episode every week. Contract negotiations have stalled about the butt here. Yeah, everyone. that's Doc well, is really holding out for more, more money. And also, I mean, yeah. I have to say it's a contradiction for me because I am so pro-union, and yet my co-hosts all unionized, and now like we're like in the middle of all these <laughs> butt negotiations. It's complicated. We're gonna get into it later. We'll get we'll get into it. But later. we watched a match. We watched um, uh, John Cena versus Rob Van Dam. Oh yeah. Um, and like that was a gr- like that was a great match and a great use of Cena's mm-hmm. energy, and I like really enjoyed that. And one and it may like happens a lot with a lot of wrestling that I watch. Whenever I see a good version of all the shitty wrestling I've seen, it makes me retroactively more upset at all the bad <laughs> wrestling. Because I'm like, well, you can do it. It's it not. is fucking possible. Orton did win that Hell in a Cell match in 2009. Good. Yeah, yeah. With the punt kick. Oh, with the punt kick. The great they, evil weapon. They, they don't let him do that anymore. Yeah, just kick him right in the temple. He did it to Stephanie McMahon once. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was one of his best. Oh, yeah. the, the head, the amount of head blows. It's remarkable that it took until like 2015 for <laughs> the sport, the sports world, to be like, maybe we should stop uh, ramming everybody's no, head into it was stuff. A, it, was, it was actually in about two, uh, 07. Well, yeah. well, in yeah, the yeah, WWE, that's yeah, that's when it but, started. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the punt kick was perfectly safe. Oh yeah, no, the punt kick was safe. That wasn't like that. It wasn't yeah. a real serious kick to the head that no. was worked. It looked really good. Yeah. It wasn't like you left off the top rope onto your head onto somebody no, else's no. head. No, no. Somebody would be up yeah. on all fours with their head sticking out. Then so- Orton would run at them and like with his instep kick somebody in the head who's then going mm. with it and then selling it, which is a lot differently than I'll keep my hands at my sides and you yes. bean me in the forehead with a chair as hard as you can. Hopefully we can dent the chair. S- speaking of which, um, speaking of finishes, so uh, Cena puts Kali in that match in the yeah. STFU. I think it's still the STFU. Yeah. By this point? In 2007? Right. Yeah, they had the yeah, FU be, and yeah. the STFU, which would become the AA and the STF when they went PG. And I think... 2009, 2010? Something like that. It was around if then. I want to say it was like 08, 09. I feel like F is the problematic letter if you're going PG, right? Well, the, well, the STF is the actual name of the move, the step over toehold face lock. Oh, okay. Cena's version was the STFU. He started implementing that as people started noting, hey, you don't do any moves or holds. Bet you can't do any of them. So he's like, well, here's this hold that everybody thinks is really cool, and it's my new primary finish, STFU. Thank you very much. And it worked. Though he used 
his his is like a sort of cartoony version of it. It's right, it's, right. It's, a, it's the TV version. Yeah. It's um, very loose compared to hard versions of it, and really, it's because kids emulate him, and people are like, "Well, how come you don't really cinch it in and pull the guy's head back by their neck?" And it's like. Well, six-year-olds are going to put each other in this hold in the playground, and if they think you do it by just clasping your hands under the other guy's chin, great. You know, so, I kind of wish more uh, people who make violent entertainment for children put that kind of thought into you know, it's true. Stuff. So I think it's it's really impressive that he was able to get the hold on Kali mm. um, to begin with. And but I, I, Kali is so tall. I'm pretty sure one of his feet was under the ropes. Oh, it definitely was. And the yeah, camera, absolutely. the camera just makes sure the foot is not in the shot, right? So that nobody sees, so that they wouldn't have to break the hold. <laughs> I don't know if they played into that in order to secure the rematch. I don't know. I think on. they just did the rematch. Uh, they wanted to milk what they could out of Kali before it became clear that he couldn't move. Do we have final thoughts on John Cena? If only. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paw Patrol no. or Narcs, John everyone. John Cena sucks. <laughs> John Cena is a very interesting figure. Uh, he can be very polarizing. He's been on top for a very long time, and uh, we're probably going to see more of him in the future in a variety of situations because he has put himself in a variety of situations. Uh, so, you know, I, I he's one of those guys that I like him more now that he's not really around, and I totally. can go back and kind of appreciate his stuff when I'm not sitting there as a fan, like really hoping he'll lose. Well, at the same time, understanding that that was my role as a fan, watching that at the first place. He was place. absolutely infuriating for a time, especially it around was. 2009, this last match we talked about, when it had been already um, four years mm -hmm. into his big run, and there was still going to be another three or four or five before he'd finally start to disappear do, a little do bit. Do you remember the time once we went to, we went to the matches at the arena and John Cena was facing Kurt Angle and we were booing John Cena and some old, old people in the row behind us stopped us and were like, John Cena is a nice young man. And like, I don't think I was there for that oh, man, one. You actually. weren't there yeah, for that yeah. one? I think you might have gone with Spoon to that Might have gone with Spoon Does to that, that yeah. happen a lot at wrestling shows where, some, where you're like, boo, and somebody's like, hey. Oh, all the time. We yeah. used to antagonize the kids. We would cheer yeah, for we, all of the as heels. As all society should. Oh, yes. and they yeah. would get furious when they could not understand why yeah. we would boo their favorites and cheer the villains and stuff. I, I took great joy in doing well, really, that. Really, that just made the kids bigger wrestling fans because they became more hard in their resolve that John Cena will overcome, which he will. It's <laughs> interesting. I've met some older wrestling fans of, like, a couple of generations yeah. before us, and they always have really interesting complaints about current wrestling. Like... Yeah. All the wrestling these days, you know, they spend too much time outside of the ring and not enough time in the ring and stuff like that. Back in 1906, when I watched Gotch and Hackenschmidt wrestle in a pit of mud in a crowd of 600,000 people. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was at a, I was at a, a nerd convention once and made the mistake of mentioning wrestling to one of the guys selling uh, like spices and stuff, and he's like, "Really? Well, let me tell you for the next hour why Bob Backlund never should have lost the title." And I couldn't get away oh, from him. Can I just say I know yeah, that that you know who I'm I know the exact about. guy <laughs> you're talking about, and you are lucky that the conversation he locked you into yeah. was at least related to the thing that you said to him. <laughs> Because I once was like, oh, I would man. like to purchase these spices from you. And he was like, I'm going to complain to you about local Connecticut politics oh, for no. a while. And I was just like, and I just kept being like trying to hand him the money. Like, please take yes. the money so I can leave. 
and he's going and then like you know you don't want to like just be like oh sir I'm sorry I'm going to need you to suck it while I leave because it's like he's an older guy he's been on the scene forever that particular yeah. con but like hard he, for him going, to suck it while you leave and then well you know well, maybe look, maybe not for Evan. Yeah. Evan, when was it that you lived in Connecticut? <laughs> none, none times. None, <laughs> never. Oh, it's a terrible, terrible place. Um, fuck John Cena, and Connecticut. <laughs> this has been contesting wrestling. And Boston, and, where and he's from. Fuck or, the Paw Patrol. You know, Massachusetts yeah, in general. Yeah. Fuck the Paw Patrol. Eventually, John Cena's just gonna roll up with the rest of the Paw Patrol uh, <laughs> when he comes back to Royal Rumble. Um, I will not accept uh, any anybody saying that John Cena is not in Paw Patrol. Uh, that's canon. Now, Good. follow us on Twitter, at ContestingW. If you find this amusing, you get an extra episode a week on Patreon for five bucks a month, if you so desire. We have a whole other episode on John Cena coming oh boy. this week. That's, that's uh, Patreon.com slash Contesting Wrestling. We are going to talk on that episode about the full dynamics of the Paw Patrol as a whole. <laughs> so tune in if you want to hear that. And stay tuned for our Paw Patrol podcast. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess pa- maybe when we start pawing around. I guess when we start, I guess when we start doing the uh, the contesting wrestling uh, movie club, I guess we can get some Paw Patrol episodes with right. Cena up in there. Um, so that'll that'll be happening the one soon. Thing never happened. Uh, this has been contesting wrestling. We love you. Thank you.